0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Homework Assignment Podcast. We're really excited today um, and we're really uh, happy that Brad's here to join us. Brad with AF, the owner of AFT Construction. If you guys haven't seen their stuff, you're going to be able to click the links below, check out their entire portfolio, all the production, all the media content that they're dropping. It's just, it's honestly, it's everywhere. It's outrageous um, and it's some really cool stuff Um, and we're really excited to have you on. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks RJ. Excited to be here. Um, so, Brad, tell us a little bit about what AFT, who is AFT Construction?
1: Yeah, so our, our formal name is a Finder Touch Construction. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of a long name there, so we go by AFT. Most of our social channels, they know us through social media as AFT. And essentially, we're a luxury builder in the greater Phoenix area, right? So Scottsdale, you know, North Phoenix, Cave Creek, down here to Gilbert, where we're at right now. And uh, serve most of the Phoenix area, you know, from a custom building standpoint. You know, when we started, it's funny to see how, you know, companies pivot. So, like, early on, we did probably heavier commercial than residential. Now, really. it's going the other way that we're heavier residential than commercial and definitely have, have shown kind of the the automation, the organization, that customer experience. And so, you know, our process adapts really well to, like, the high-end clientele who are used to a certain amount of service and communication and process. And we spent a lot
0: of time kind of... Um, you know, working on that process for our clients. Mm-hmm. So, that's awesome. What? So you you used to do a lot of commercial. What's the difference between commercial and residential? Is it the clientele mostly?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a different mentality in a few ways, right? When you're in commercial, uh, and, and don't get me wrong, like we've done some pretty nice commercial stuff over the years, and no matter at what level of the spectrum you're building, from a budget standpoint, we'll call it a commercial. At the core, there's still a time, right? T- time is the big value there because whether you're working for a hotel, you know, whoever the end operator will be a restaurant, brewery. I mean, it could be anything. Like yeah. there's there's a time frame that they need to be open because they're investing and now they need to start generating revenue. So that time frame becomes really important. And they don't, even though they may have nice finishes to some extent, they don't get lost in the details of how a trim detail is terminating yeah. Yeah. in a certain part of the build residential it's a lot more emotional right clients travel they have inspiration this could be you know their life's work investment into their personal home it could be a second or third home regardless they still have a level of execution and quality and detail it's a little bit more emotional there's there's a more personal touch working on their powder bath as opposed to a community bath like at a commercial place so so it's just that level of hand holding relationship communication uh, you know, it's the clients definitely more involved. You know, on on a residential build.
0: So let me ask you to dig a little bit more into this. So when I started our company, um, I had some family that were in construction and stuff, and some friends and and uncles and whatnot, and they always were try to try to get me to go more commercial because so like it's just easier and it's like you have less. Uh, worry with the client, kind of like what you're talking about. There's no one really cares that much about the details like they would on a residential. Mm-hmm. They still care, but it's a little bit different, right? So why did you guys choose to go to residential if you were already kind of doing quite a bit of commercial?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. You know, when before I started my company, I worked for a high-end commercial company. I mean okay. we did pine luxury. We worked uh, on the Omni Mona Lucia is probably one of the most signature projects that I worked on in Paradise Valley on Lincoln and Tatum. And so we kind of worked in a more luxury brand, but keep in mind commercial, one of the big separators, and I always laughed at in residential, it's like the Wild West, right? So when when you go to commercial, you're dealing with subcontractors that are super established. A lot of our subcontractors had two, three hundred employees. Yeah, big companies. Yeah, you go to residential, they may have four or yeah. six, you know, the husband and wife, or you know, the owners of the company are typically working in the company. And so where I'm getting at is on commercial side, it's very system driven, right? Mm-hmm. System, protocol, project management, like that whole experience is totally different. How they're mapping it out, and you know, so because we had a background doing that, and we had a lot of understanding, and a lot of my team has worked in high end commercial, you know, that process now bleeds into residential, and so we've kind of found this niche where on the residential side, especially as you're getting into the high dollar product. Our clients expect that right they, they they've ran companies most of our successful entrepreneurs and they expect that same level of service that they had building their company from their from their builder you know the the old days of you know the pickup truck builder doesn't really equate to what the client's expecting Mm-mm. now and so how we kind of got into this niche was that yeah we have you know over the years with the software we use and the staff that we have that we've really worked on our systems and automation and communication and that's kind of integrated into bringing in that high-end clientele that if anything kind of gives them a a taste of what it's like having a commercial project however it's applicable to like a residential high-end build.
0: Okay that's awesome so I think something that goes around um, that one touch base on that every business owner really deals with whether they're in construction or not is the the clients that Maybe sometimes when there's an issue or whatnot, there there's a problem, and some clients are very hard to handle. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I'm bringing that up is so I know I noticed in my company as we grow in in revenue and we grow up to some of those higher end homes. Um, you, you you mentioned that the the homeowners are a lot more emotionally involved into it, right? So when something goes wrong, it sometimes it's 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 really big and it's really mm-hmm. hard to put ourselves in the client's shoes. And like us, I'm like hey I, I I know there's a solution here. I get it. I understand it, but they're just over the top, just upset about it. How do you handle clients um, that may or, or an upset client so to speak in your business uh, at the level you're at? yeah, that's right. a
1: good question. I think empathy and just business and life in general right any relationship, whether it's your spouse, kids, coworkers yeah. employers or, or um, I'm sorry customers like empathy goes a long way to really mm-hmm. understand right and you know, being around other entrepreneurs, like you know, the value of listening becomes really important. Not just listening, but coming into meetings prepared. Like, hey, what well, what do you want to get out of this meeting, right? And setting that standard so that everyone kind of communicates their goals. But to answer your question, like I just had this this morning where I met with a client this morning on the empathy side, understanding kind of why they're in this position, hearing them out. And I've always been in a position where, you know, we never want to make decisions for our clients. We never want to spend our clients' money. For us, it's always about presenting options for our clients and then Mm. letting them make the decision, right? But really, at the core of where these relationships go sideways, at least in my experience over the last 11 years on in my business, is that typically we've failed at some point to set clear expectations. And whether it's in pre-construction or the build, not having clear expectations with the client leads to these issues. And so we've really worked on... Understanding, I think, as a builder, you have to understand what it takes from that initial phone call, the inquiry, right, to the client moves in. And then you're servicing them after. But what does that journey look like? Like, what are all the steps? You have to map that out and really understand it. And then from there, you can build the communication channels, the process, the decision making to really keep the client on task because... Our whole job as a builder is to be the guide, right? Take them through this really tough experience. And so if we understand what it takes to build a home and we can communicate that effectively and lay that out, it'll prevent a lot of those issues. And then have operating procedures that we don't break, right? Like for me, I'm not going to do a project without an interior designer. So I know that if I deviate from that, it's going to cause issues because I've already been through this before. And so we have to have standard protocol and then we're leading our client to explain to them the value uh, certain consultants and professionals and to make that a better process.
0: Right. Yeah. I think, um, you know, touched on that. Like when a few years ago, when I would work with clients, I always felt like the, it was one side of the client it was like, you're the general contractor and you need to do this. And like, I expect you to provide everything in the full mm-hmm. service rather. Now we know and understand that it's a team effort. Like the, there is like, there's so much responsibility on the client side, you know, figuring out what they want, understanding what they want related, you know, Transferring that over to us so we can provide it. And when there's not that good communication on both sides, the whole project just kind of goes goes array, right? So um well it's funny because like I mean to your point,
1: RJ, I, I look back at my experience and you don't know what you don't know. So yeah. client comes in, saying RJ, will you do this? And you're like, Yeah, no problem. And then you're like, yeah, I just put myself in a horrible position. Yes, yeah. And that's happened to me so many times because you just don't know. But where I'm getting at is that I once you understand risk, cost, you know, um time frame, all these different aspects. It's easy for me when a client has a concern about something. I can communicate effectively because I understand, hey, if we don't do this, here's what's gonna happen. Because mm-hmm. I've already experienced that, right? right? Or my peers have that I network with. So networking is powerful. But you know, I we know the red flags, we know the issues, we know the pitfalls of a build. And so, if something starts going sideways, we can call timeout. You know, and meet with the client, or at least address it, so it doesn't get to that point. Right. It's just the problem is, as a new builder, you just don't know until mm-hmm. you learn that you've made the mistakes and you've paid for those mistakes. But at least now, you know, with the team we have, we understand what that process looks like and so we can lay it out better for
0: the client. So you're being proactive rather than yeah. reactive, right? And I think that's a big, important process in every business that a lot of people miss out on. They just kind of wait and then the problem arises and they solve it, but then they don't do anything to proactively avoid that situation going forward. Mm-hmm. And then they continually go through that cycle, right? Yep. So, um, well, kind of a precursor, going back a little bit, you're talking about you know, how you deal with your your wife and clients and or your family as well. So how is your business how, how does the way you run your business correlate with the way you run your household and vice versa? Do they, do they intersect? Is there, you know what I mean? Like how, how does that?
1: That's you know, a good go? question. You know, I, um, I, I think those that know me tease me in the sense that, you know, I think, you know, most of us that are entrepreneurs are pretty A-type. Like that's going to be mm-hmm. part of it. So you have the A-type side and then we're typically delegators in some way. Yeah, yeah. You know, it could be bossy at some points. <laughs> uh, you know, they tease me that I'll do it with a smile, like I'll smile at someone as I'm bossing them around. And so that doesn't always equate to like personal life, you know, mm-hmm. my wife and kids. Like there has to be a whole different approach. So for me, there's definitely a different hat you're wearing at work as yeah. opposed to what you're wearing at home. And you have to find the balance. And the problem as an entrepreneur, just being realistic, is that it bleeds over, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There's never a clean break between, oh, I just got done with work. I'm. Clock leaving out. it, there, yeah, yeah, clocking out and going in the house, yeah, yeah. Especially as the owner of a business, it just you know it doesn't turn off. So you just have to find the balance. To understand, you know, who needs the attention at home and put a focus there and communicate differently than I would at the office. And so, yeah, you just kind of learn. You know, I'm older now, you know, so it helps having been you know my profession for 20 years now to kind of understand you know how to balance that a little bit more.
0: So for a entrepreneur that's trying to find a better balance or trying to figure out how to have some sort of balance? Where do they start? Do they start in the business, getting that organized or do they start in the household? Like what advice do you have there? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, the, the, the
1: reality is you have to understand, like if you're going to be an entrepreneur, like it doesn't shut off. Like even if you get to the point where you're hiring people, you still have the stress and anxiety of right backlog and sales and, execution and turnover and everything that comes with running a company. So as an entrepreneur, it's definitely going to be poorly balanced in the beginning because you're wearing a lot of hats, right? You may not have the revenue. You may not have the ability to hire people yet to take some of those responsibilities. But even if you're a one person show at the beginning, you should still understand that org chart, right? If you're wearing all the hats, understand when you touch each hat and what that role is, you know, write it out, understand that scope of work. So that as you hire, you can delegate that off and really have clear distinction. Where most companies fail is that when they're hiring, that baton, there's too much overlap. Mm -hmm. There's too much double work. There's no clear, concise information on what that job scope is for the employee. And people get frustrated, right? It's it's hard to retain people. And so getting back to the balance side, I mean... You're never going to have balance in the beginning ideally you can find some sort of balance but that balance is still kind of a weird word because you know as an entrepreneur you're, you're always you're always involved in the business always and it won't change and so yeah you may have some more flexibility in the years to come where you you know middle of the day you're going to a kids sporting event you know maybe you have some extra vacation that you're spend with the family but at the same point you get back to the hotel at night and you're working right when the kids are asleep, Mm -hmm. um, or you're up early before the family's awake. And so you're balancing, you know, that differently later as opposed to just grinding in the office or the field, you know, for those first couple of years. How was your first couple of years? Yeah, probably similar to most people. I mean, it's like, you know, when you're starting a young company, you're trying to figure out, first you have to get work, which Mm -hmm. is really tough. And you have to get people to take a chance on you being new in business. You have to, you you really, at least for me, I didn't really understand, you know, value, my value. I didn't understand how to price a job properly. And I I knew how to price it from the subcontractor side to make sure as a general, you know, where you have all the costs. It's just what my fee should be. My cost, you know, to run this and actually make a living to make Mm -hmm. sure I'm covering my overhead. And so that's the biggest struggle is that you're wearing a lot of hats. So I'm trying to do marketing. I'm trying to do... Accounting to some extent, you know, I'm in the field running projects as a superintendent. I'm trying to do business development So you're just wearing all doing these so hats. Yeah, yeah. You're doing so yeah. many things and so that So that's pretty common for everyone and then you get to the point where you can make a hire another hire But even then I mean it, it takes years to where you can really get that momentum and the right people and then start training and then really start Evaluating, you know the company organization
0: Okay, so how long, how long has AFT been in business? So in March,
1: in two months, we'll hit 11 years. So we started years. March. Yeah, March That's 20, awesome. yeah, 2013. That's so. awesome.
0: So so what, what advice for people that are starting their journey in business? Because um, obviously we've, we've all been there. Um, and looking back, we probably really wish we knew what we know now, like mm-hmm. everybody else does. What advice do you have for people starting out in a business or starting a business, um, but also starting a family at the same time? Okay.
1: Sorry. I, maybe we'll just look at the business side first. So if you're starting a business, I'd say no matter what your business is, the, the something that called the light bulb hits on, whatever I, it took me a long time to understand that I'm a business owner that happens to focus on construction. And, and that took a long time to understand is that in any field, whatever it is, you need to understand the business. And this goes back to like, since I'm in construction, I need to understand what that roadmap looks like for my client. But more importantly, what does it look like for me? my company you know how do we meet payroll how do we fe- succession plans down the road like you have to understand the business side of running the company because there's always a saying that like a really good builder that's bad at business will always fail right interesting yeah. and a bad builder who's good at business will always stay in business hmm. and so ideally we're all going to be good builders but at the core of it you have to understand business and yeah. that's where most companies fail and so from the business side you have to understand that now Going back to the question of like that balance side, it's just really tough to, to have a balance and understand how to wear both those hats. It's just going to be – you have to understand that if you go an entrepreneur, when you're an employee, you kind of just see your box, right? You, yeah. there, there's maybe different areas of the company you're touching, but you don't see the whole picture. I didn't as an employee, and I thought I did, and mm-hmm. I didn't. But the minute you're an owner, you're, you're over everything. And so you just have to understand that there is a sacrifice because you only have so many buckets that you can put – you know that you can fill up, and so if I'm filling up this bucket, I can't do here. So there is, especially those early years. Yeah, you know, yeah. I can have a lo- whole lot of time. Like it's not like you start a company and you just get all this personal time with your family. It just doesn't yeah. work that way.
0: Yeah, there's sacrifice. Yep, one hundred percent. So when you first started your company, um, so obviously, kind of backtracking, you you worked for a company, a high-end uh, commercial company, right? And then you, somewhere in between, left that and began um, AFT, right? So what decisions led you to decide that you actually wanted to build AFT construction?
1: Yeah, I think entrepreneurs are either born entrepreneurs or they're forced into it. And so <laughs> I'll take it that I was forced into it, right? It just... You know, and I've done a <laughs> podcast on this. I have yeah, a YouTube yeah. video on this, too, on my channel. Uh, I did construction management up at BYU, and I finished mm-hmm. in 05, moved to Phoenix, worked for uh, doing production homes here in Gilbert for a year, and then I went okay. to work for the high-end commercial for, you know, five and a half years. And at that time, you know, market was pretty slow, was planning on going back to get my MBA, so I took the GMAT, right. I was going back to grad school and just life, circum- uh, life's tough like it just you know i have a lot of empathy towards anybody you know i went through a tough time and uh found myself as a single father with three daughters at the time and you know at the time that i'm supposed to start grad school and because of that uh, i just knew it wasn't an option being a single dad to say okay i'm gonna go bring my three daughters and start grad school it just wasn't feasible and i never made it back um, and so aft was started and you know i I don't want to say I had reservation, but but I knew how hard construction was. Mm-hmm. And having lived through that recession in 2008, because keep in mind, this is like 2011, 12. Mm-hmm. You know, AFT started 2013. So, I mean, that was five years there that I had.
0: Wasn't that during the bad market? total yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I know you're a little young, RJ, but for us, guys, <laughs> us old guys, 2008 to 13, it was uh, rough. It was, rough. Yeah. it was really hard. And so I knew going into construction, I'm like you know stability anyways and but but it's what i knew is what i was felt i was good at and so uh it was a grind i mean like i like i tell most people it wasn't you know six or seven years of building aft before we started making headway and momentum and you know getting the right people getting the right projects and building to what we have today but you know people look at it now and this is you know 20 year journey overnight mm-hmm. success you know over overnight success over 20 years like it just doesn't it doesn't happen in the you know in the back and yeah. there's years of experience there and it's really the last four or five years we've taken off and it you know but those first you know seven were quite the work
0: so when you started aft was it successful profiting from no. day one
1: no so
0: just like anyone and that's why
1: i say you got to understand business because i didn't i didn't understand all the ins and outs of business and understanding how to leverage you know and you know, different, the value banking relationships and so many different aspects. So, I mean, look, as a company, I mean, most companies, especially in construction and not all, it kind of depends. I mean, there's some, there's always those variables depending on if you're starting in a good market. I mean, mm-hmm. keep in mind, Phoenix was still not a great market. Yeah. 2013. I mean, Phoenix was so slow to get back, even as a nation was coming back in recovery. I mean, 2017, 2018 was still not that great for most, most builders in Phoenix, including us. So you're thinking that's five years that you're barely grinding through, barely covering payroll, yeah. barely covering overhead. And it wasn't until we got some signature projects and then you build on that. And even then, it was a couple of years after that, you really understand, you know, how to plan. So it just, you know, I wish it was easier. But I, but I will say at that time, this is pre-social media, Instagram okay. hadn't started yet. And so I didn't have the network I have now. And I think what the advantage like you, RJ, where you're good, I know that's how we met, is that you're really good about reaching out to other builders and understanding and taking business coaching and all these things that I did not take advantage of that I should have. And had I done that, yeah, we could be in a better position than we were, I'm sure, as a company financially, you know, at that point.
0: Well, so, okay, so obviously you had some tough times when you first started your business, right? And and everybody does. It's just part of life. What kept you going through those tough times?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm a super competitive person, and so at, at the core of it, it wasn't just competitiveness, but I mean that is part of it. Mm-hmm. I think um, there, there's no doubt a driver. I mean, I, I you know, I, I, fortunately, I was raised in a family where my I saw my parents; they were super hard workers, and that work ethic has been instilled in me from a young age. So my siblings are the same; like we're all hard workers, awesome. and we don't stop. Like, and and all my <clears> siblings are that way. But I think. You know, when, when when you're, a few things here. One, you know, I had, you know, I love my kids, right? So I, as the supporter of my children, like, I, ha- I had no choice but to be successful. I can't right. fail, right? I'm raising yeah, kids. Exactly I mean, yeah. at the time when I started AFT, my daughters were, you know, let's think, they would have been, you know, like nine, seven, and wow. four. So it's like yeah. they're little, you know? And so that that's a big part of it. But I would say what what drove me is that even in the times those first five years when we weren't making money and we weren't getting the project we felt we deserved or could handle as a strategy like i i don't know what it is and maybe it's just like me personally but i always have a vision of like where we're going as a company and where we're going to be so even though we're kind of laying the groundwork here years ago i had my focus here and then here and kind of it's just like anyone who's looking at like scaling everest right you're never going to just Look at the peak. You're going to look at that next step, but yeah. you know you're going to the peak because the peak's the end goal. There, you know, as you get to the summit, but there's these little benchmarks along the way that you're that you're working towards. Yeah. And so, I, I I just knew that I was marketing towards not what we were doing today, but where we're going, and I knew that we would get there because of um, you know client feedback and experience, and it just takes time for that reputation and momentum you know t- to hit on all cylinders so
0: what, what, what is the vision for AFT I'm curious yeah have you gone there or is there something greater you're going to oh no yeah we have
1: our core values and our vision and and everything but I think for me it's 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 I'm, I'm a builder in every aspect and what I mean by that not just a builder of temporal items such as homes and buildings but building people right? And building companies. Mm-hmm. So we have different companies we've started, you know, when you think about the streams of revenue there to keep that going, you know, building people. So I look at, you know, our team, we're at 26 employees, and I'm sure to ask any of them, I feel that our company culture is unique to any company in the industry, right? We just don't have really any turnover. People come, they stay, they're part of the AFT family. And so building our people, and I think that's a key success in leadership is not seeing people as they are, but who they can become? Yeah, and it's the same yeah. thing as business, right? Not as your business is, but where it's going to go. And the same with people. And so building people, and you know, letting them discover their superpowers, if you will, and kind of you know see them grow through that. You know that that to me is
0: like the legacy. So, so not so much building homes, but building people. That's way better businesses. And and
1: I love building homes. Like don't get me wrong, we built some amazing homes, and we work with yeah, some do. amazing clients. But like. <laughs> When I go to bed at night, like the joy, like we've had our company party and, you know, just to be in that room where you're sitting there and you have 26 employees with their significant others and you have this company and they're there. And every one of them, including their spouses, like so many of their spouses had reached out to me saying, hey, you know, my spouse, I've seen a change in them since working at AFT, awesome. like they're better at home, they're happier they're more motivated. You know, I have employees that have been, you know, texting me on on going on this, like, you know, we met at the gym. They're like on this health journey that they're going through and getting healthier in their life. To me, that's like the most valuable thing to see yeah. people change their lives and be better people. And I think that just, it doesn't just happen. I think the core of like our culture, like everyone's competitive, everyone inspires each other and everyone's driven to be, Good family, people. Good at work. Good with clients, and it just bleeds into just a healthy amount of competition and camaraderie.
0: So, obviously, with that um, love for you know building people, building businesses, and and changing lives. Obviously, there's the other part of business, which is making money to live. You mm-hmm. touch base on that. So, how do you? So, you talk about your value, right? And and this is something everybody has that has a business has dealt with at one point, but trying to figure out what you're worth, right? And have you ever felt that you're charging you felt like you were charging too much than what you uh were you felt you were worth, if that makes sense?
1: That's a good question. Actually I probably always charge too less, right? <laughs> because like yeah. so I think always to get the job I charge less. I think now it's probably a healthy balance there. Okay. But what I will say to that point is what I've always, and again, maybe this is the focus of, again, that summit aspect, Mm -hmm. is that whenever I've hired people, um, I I understand that there's an investment, right? And so employees are assets, not liabilities. And a lot of employers, in my experience, have looked at what they pay people, and they're like, this is a huge cost. I can save money. They look at it as low-hanging fruit that if you cut that aspect, you're going to make more money. But where they're short-sighted is that when you have good people, that are well compensated and committed, the brand's better because you have people that understand the brand of the company, they are bettering it, you know, I'm sure you can attest it. if I have a super that's built 15 homes as opposed to one that's built three, that one with 15 has been through a lot and can be more efficient, which leads to better projects. And so I've found that when you invest in your people and the right people, that puts you in a position to win better projects. And so for you to continue as a brand, you have to have the right people, right training, and that allows you to qualify for these better projects. And so for me, it's always an investment. You invest in your people, and then that dividend pays down the road with profitability and better projects. And one of the things I've always lived by is, you know, it's two things. One, prosperity proceeds, or I'm sorry, generosity precedes prosperity. Okay. And that goes back to the core of it, right? Yeah. And I'll give an example of why that was. And then the second thing is is that you chase experience not money and so i've always in my career and life just chase experience and opportunity not money money will come right you and, and that's true as an employee like chase the experience get the talents and the skill set and that's what i did and then you know that um, the money will always come down the road getting back that when, when i was young just out of college 25 i remember i was working for this production builder and when you're on a production, I think we had 11 or 12 superintendents, and there were probably like five or six salespeople that were there selling these semi-custom homes. And one of them was Martin Ono. So like every week, we would meet with our sales reps and kind of go through all the progress of the projects. Mm-hmm. And they had to bring... Their deal was just a requirement that they would bring us breakfast. So five of the salesmen would always bring, you know, like a bag of cold egg McMuffins or something, you know, just... <laughs> Couple hash browns, some egg McMuffins, yep. there you go. We had one salesperson that like Martin, he would come in and he would have this huge spread. From like at that time was Paradise Bakery before they're brought out. And we'd have like oh, yeah. quiches and yogurt parfaits and all kinds of amazing stuff. He would take us Jeez. to like the Chandler airport, we'd go to the hangar, you know, for breakfast. And on my birthday, and remember, I'm, I'm just out of college, not being paid a lot. It was my birthday, it comes up, gives me a handshake, and it gives me a hundred dollar bill. And he was always like, Brad, generosity precedes prosperity. That was like his mantra. And everybody, like he was one of the most generous people I've ever met in every way. And people just always worked harder because they could see that. And so I I just got to watch that he motivated me. He motivated those around me to just be better people because he was just so kind and generous with everything he had. And that led to him always getting the best clients, the best projects, the best sales, He was the number one person in sales and the differentiator was that that he just you know there was a a generosity you know he's he's a super generous person yeah and as an employer if your employees feel that you're always going to go to bat with them that you are always generous you're always looking out they not just from a financial side but from a personal health and wellness side they're always going to go to bat for you which means they're going to bat for your clients
0: so that's, that's amazing, and you know what's interesting is I've heard that before growing up, quite a few times, and yet when I began my business journey, I for some reason had it in my mind that money is always a motivator. Mm-hmm. When people, to get people to work harder, to get people to enjoy the work more, you just gotta pay more, you just gotta pay them more. Now I know that that statement is so true because it, money isn't always a motivator for employees or for people, and a lot of times, it. It's not even the motivator for the business owner. We, we talk about commissions, right? Like what's a commission? A commission is a reward or something that's earned for doing something. And that could be having a family, right? Commission for being able to... Get your wife to marry you. You have children, right? That's a commission. And so um, when you start breaking it down like that, I think um, that changes the perspective of every business owner's company understanding that, hey, money isn't always the answer to things. It's love and generosity or creating an amazing environment, amazing you know team camaraderie. Com- camaraderie. Thank you. Know, yeah, yep. Camaraderie. Um, and it's not always the money. The money will always follow. Um, so that's that's spot on. That's absolutely fantastic.
1: It's funny because you think about culture of a company. I mean, it really comes down to two things. All the studies that have happened. One, like your employees have to believe in the brand so they yeah, have to believe in the yeah. product, right? Whatever the product that you're selling, they have to have a, believe, a belief system in what that is. That they're making a difference in whatever mm-hmm. way that is. And the second thing is they have to they have to feel valued, right? They have to feel that when they come to work, they know how they're gonna be held accountable. They they have clear understanding of what their job role is. So people understand their role. If they understand that they're being held accountable and that they believe in the product and all these things, you can have ideal customer culture. I mean, that just goes, or company culture. Yeah, and then you add on the icing to the core, right? And that is the pay and the benefits and the PTO. and. You know, the relationship between all of you. I mean, all those things add on, but at the core, that's what employees want. And money is important, but if you create a system where, or a company where there is that friendship and family feel and um, you know where everyone's working to help each other and they can come in with ideas and people actually listen and they're implemented mm-hmm. and people felt heard. I mean, that's, that's yeah. really when you really gain so much traction.
0: So I have a, I have a quick question um and this might be more of a personal question but what is if there is a key what is the key to being proud of what you've built and enjoying the benefits of what you've built which is a successful company and being seen as prideful if that makes sense mm-hmm. um i and and I'll explain so I've seen a lot in some of the businesses that my friends have built and I've experienced this in my businesses. Once you start actually becoming a little successful and you, you, you gain success in building what you're building, then come some of the benefits like, hey, well, you're making good money, right? You're getting, um, you know, people are knowing who you are. You're building your, your online presence, social media. People are seeing the stuff you're building. You're in magazines or people are paying you money to come in and, and teach them what you know, right? Um, so a little bit of fame, so to speak. Um, and then it's like, okay, well, now how do you project yourself? Really enjoy, like, how do I, how do I put this? For example, what's your dream car? Uh, <laughs> and, and maybe this is easy. I don't have one. Like, it's just okay. yeah.
1: I and, and maybe that's a funny answer. I have an F one fifty. My wife has Expedition, and yeah that's the extent of it you know
0: okay so like for example what if your dream car was a lamborghini would Mm -hmm. you feel weird driving a lamborghini to your work every day where you have employees okay why i'm I'm curious as well Well,
1: uh, you know i think you know and it's it's not that there's anything wrong with driving a lamborghini right again i don't don't want this to seem like um some pretentious person i don't know the easiest way to say it i i think at the core just everyone's different what drives them right Mm -hmm. and so for me i As I mentioned, like my driver is people. So going back to your success thing, I think, you know, I'm trying to understand hopefully the question and answer right, but no, but, but essentially (laughs) I I mentioned that for me, my legacy is building people. Right. Right. And so, so that's my driver that at the end of the day, yeah, the the money may come and, you know, we, ideally we have a, a great opportunity to support my family and my kids, you know, and future uh, of our family, but but that's not my driver. That's a byproduct of what we're doing and accomplishing at AFT, right? And so yeah, you at some point, yeah, maybe I do have a Lamborghini. Uh, you know, I don't think just me personally, based on how I right, operate, right. I wouldn't yeah. drive it every day. Yeah. But I'm not opposed to that if someone's been successful like they should enjoy the fruits of the labors. I mean, then the day my clients all do. I'm glad that they do because they invest in nice homes and that generates thousands of jobs for me, my employees, my subcontractors, suppliers, trade partners. So, so there's value there on people that are willing to invest and use that.
0: So, do you think enjoying the fruits of your labor um, affects your relationship with employees as they see that happen? It for can example? but
1: but I think it can. But and I'll answer that because I think I have a little clarity to answer kind of my perspective on that. But it, it it can, and the where that can be splintered is again what what is at the core. And I'll give you a good example. So. For me, a couple things. So I may not say, hey, I want to drive a Lamborghini, but I grew up super blue collar like many of us, right? And none of this was gifted. I had to earn it just like a lot of us do. And so where, where I grew up super blue collar, like everyone knows I'm a huge Jordan fan. Like I yes. wear. Like Seekerhead. 200 pairs. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> but the funny thing is like when I grew up, I'd get one pair from shoe source that was my deal Mm. my parents had the funds and i was the oldest of six kids so every year we get a new pair of shoes and so for me that's my thing is to have nice shoes because i never had nice stuff right which is okay but but then when you cross that over so for me i may not care as much about lamborghini but like I love to travel and I want to travel nice places and go to Europe and go with my family. And yeah, yeah. maybe there's a bougie element that I want to sleep in the pod, right? As opposed to sit and coach. And so we all have things, right? That yeah. drive us. And for yeah. me, it's time. It's vacation. It's time with my family. But here's here's a good example. So for me, I haven't built my own house yet, right? Mm-hmm. Been in my professional career 20 years. Every builder's building their own house. And for me, I was always putting my focus on the company and building the company and building right. the people and we're finally at a position where we're going to break ground on our house in two months.
0: Congratulations. Thank You're
1: you. Great. And I'm super excited. It's going to be an amazing home and it'll be a great model home. Like, I kind of wanted to wait till we could do something that's really the equivalent of the stuff we build, you know, the yeah, model yeah, home yeah. for AFT. Yeah. I mean, there's, I didn't want to go too early, but really what I'm getting at is that I was a little bit nervous about telling my employees we're building our house, right? Because okay. this, this goes back this to your is question. Right where I was going to. So yeah. I was like, how do I address. I'm building my personal house. How's that feed, feedback going to be with my team? And the funny thing is, is that now all of them know we're doing it. They're all excited. They all want to be involved in some extent of the house. They all want to be at the groundbreaking. And every employee, the feedback has been, we've been building for AFT and for customers. It's finally time that we get to build Brad's house. That's right? awesome. And so I think most employees, if you've built it right and they understand. Kind of where you like your goal and your vision. Yeah. Then they will always support that. If I were to drive McLaren, I'm sure all of them would want to just drive it. Yeah. But but keep in mind, there were years there of building that commitment and friendship and leadership and camaraderie and you know vision and everything that goes into it that now allows them to enjoy us having success, all of us. If that answered it. That so. that
0: was perfect because. I've listened to, like, one, I've listened to every single one of your podcasts, obviously. I've listened to Ed and all these great people who have built great companies. And I've never heard people really talk about this. And I always Mm -hmm. wondered because it is a thing, right? So, like, no matter what, as a business owner, no one's ever going to earn more than the owner. Yeah. Period, right? I Mm -hmm. mean, maybe at certain times because you're investing back in the company whatever the case is. But uh, for the most part, it's like, man, how do you... um, enjoy some of that like you said like okay i'm building my house now like what is my team going to think so mm-hmm. i was really that was that was perfect and again that was more of a personal question i was just kind of curious about it um so that, that was fantastic so
1: yeah and i've you know it's interesting but again what, what's tough about construction is like if we're to drive a lamborghini client's house they may not hire us right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just the reality of it you know i had a client that i was parked in front of a house and there was a tesla it wasn't mine and the client actually said if that was your tesla i want to hire you which I thought was kind of an odd comment, but Interesting. yeah. Which, but but regardless, you know, you know, and so there's there's always a balance, you know, on our profession. But at the same time, I think, you know, it's kind of like people know, care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? And so, right. as an employer, if they know you care about them and that they you've always invested in them, that at the end, when there is, you know, opportunity for you as owner, most of them will be happy for yeah. you.
0: That uh, reminded me, uh, as we were talking about Lamborghini, who was um, – Nick at your summit was talking about uh, one of the builders who built the house for Drake. I forget mm-hmm. his name, right? Yeah. And he pulled up in like a Lamborghini with his cheetah suit or whatever. It yeah. just reminded me of that. So <laughs> yeah. I, just thought, I thought it was funny. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Well, I think he was a designer, actually. Because, oh, was he the yeah, designer? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So Which they can it do It makes a little that. more yeah, sense. Yeah, designers <laughs> and realtors can do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's tougher yeah. for us. We're more blue-collar. Yeah, right, exactly. So. That's fantastic. Well um, – yeah, basically I was just I was wanting to kind of dissect different areas through your kind of journey. Cause obviously you have I mean, how you've been in business what, thirteen years, but how at what point did your business actually start creating its name for itself? Like when you started to really get known?
1: Yeah, I think it was probably, you know, fortunately for us, you know, Instagram started taking off and yeah, for me it's really tough to compete when I started my company. I didn't have, you know, there were certain projects I was trying to chase and architects and designers trying to work with and Really couldn't make any headway in their office and mm-hmm. getting, you know, to the desk of the owner to get work reciprocated. And, and so it got to the point where I'm like, okay, social media is an avenue for me. So I started publishing our work, you know, our the, the quality of our work, the thought leadership, you know, why we do what we do. And I started building a reputation. So I'd say it's probably like 2018, 2019. Okay. The things started. Five picking or six up. years. Yeah. The people started seeing who we were, started making a little bit of a dent here in town nationally. Yeah. And then you kind of get some signature projects, and then it kind of puts you on the map, and then we're here now. But it definitely was a long journey, and even to the point where we had to, you know, it just takes time to build that
0: reputation. That's funny, and because so I met with Alicia Taylor. She's a designer you work with, yeah. right? Um, and she said, "Yeah, that you know they've been doing some really big things, been around you know five or six years." And it, it, there wasn't any point to what she said, but she had mentioned a time frame, and you're mentioning the same time frame. And it's funny that no, like people don't ever get to see the whole back end of everything. Yeah. They don't get to see the inside of a business owner's life, the back end of what it took to build before you even got to be known for what you do because it doesn't start from day one. So that's kind of why I was kind of dissecting a little bit of your life to um, really see how it's been for you as a business owner as you've created one of the most renowned construction companies in the state of Arizona, probably the nation. Um, so, I mean, it's been fantastic to, to see what you guys have done and you've been a great example for, for me and our company it has been absolutely phenomenal. So, um, well, I want to thank you for coming on today. So, um, it's been absolutely, I do want to ask a question while we're talking about the name and building a name for yourself. (laughs) I'm curious and I know RJ
1: is curious. We've talked about it a hundred times when building a name for yourself, obviously branding is huge
0: and all the whole entire, title of your company is in lowercase. Did you do that on purpose
1: and <laughs> how come? So I'll, ask, okay, I'll answer that. Do you want me to like lead into it?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually curious.
1: Do you wanna ask it how you edit this? I don't know how you edit it. Go ahead. Or just I like answer. Yeah, I think, you yeah, I think we're okay. live, you're good. So yeah, so the logo here. So what's interesting, a finer test construction. So th- this is kind of funny when you think about marketing. Like I'm kind of obsessed with marketing, right? Uh-huh. And so when you see our branding, like here we have the A, it's and awesome. then there's an F and a T, right? So, it's all, awesome, yeah. so we get a lot of comments just on the logo A and F and T all together. But the funny thing is whenever you have an alphabetical order list, which happens in voting best builder, it happens in different charts. If you have a company that's like AAA, like AAA, you know, A and then a space and then finer always puts you number one interesting so like if you if if you start your company with a and then a space you're always going to be at any list number one always Interesting. and so that that's kind of the core now um all lowercase just happens to be that because it's just kind of clean i mean i have another modern logo we've done a few different logos and colors this of course blends with the shirt yeah but um Mm -hmm. but at the core it's just you know that's kind of the theme like and we actually just went through a rebrand a few months ago, we rebuilt our website, and you can see the Looks color palette. Great, by the way, yeah. So our new website, we kind of have a new, a whole new palette. Yeah. And then we've taken those colors and updated our logo too, and just kind of to match where the company is now. But at the core of it, it's like creating a logo that people remember and see and. And and a then yes, always be at the right. top of the list. So. I'm
0: actually very jealous of your logo. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> it flows so perfectly. Yeah,
1: people, it's funny when they see it, they're like, whoa, I just, because we, have, you, like, this one's all the same color. Most of them are the two colors. Yeah, yeah. So then it sticks out. There's like, there's an F and a T and an A, like A and T. It's, so it's like clean. perfect. Did you yeah. come up with that logo? No, it was actually uh, Renee Renee Clark, who was okay. one of my employee spouses really? at the time, came up with it when we first started. But I yeah, knew from awesome. the beginning when it kept coming out, okay. And, and it flows into like, you know, a touch about the competition, which is kind of our tagline. So it's just, we've we've had some fun with it. So.
0: Well, kind of go on branding real quick. So a lot of business owners, like we talked about State 48. You've seen my truck. A lot yeah. of people wrap their vehicles, right? Yeah. It's a big, you don't have a wrap.
1: It's a clean logo. Why? Because it's elegance. like, it's just clean. Like okay. we're not, it's a finer touch. Like, you know, a touch about the competition. Like it's clean. People see the logo and we want them to see it and be like, I know that that's a luxury brand. It's a luxury look like, and there's nothing wrong with the full wrap. It's just, it doesn't fit.
0: You guys, it yeah. just
1: doesn't fit us. It doesn't fit our marketing strategy. It doesn't fit the clean, sleek style that we're makes going. sense. Yeah. And it so there's sense. nothing against it. It's just that this is just, you, you need to make sure that your branding aligns on everything company, from yeah. like our email signatures. If he emails, like our email signatures have our photos and they have all the links to website and the podcast and our social media. And, um, our business cards are all electric you know the website and it all matches our our documents that we send out all of our you know our our document control you know from contracts online. and everything it's all lined with the branding and colors and Amazing. to the website so for us it's just you know that clean that clean look all the way around
0: that's fantastic yeah well is that your only question kyle yes <laughs> obviously you guys can see we're taking advantage of having brad here um, it's just been it's been awesome to to learn from you. So we want to thank you for coming on, guys. Brad has a podcast. Brad Levitt podcast, so yeah. he just, just rebranded it, yeah. right? So yeah. it was AFT Construction Podcast, right? Yeah, it was. And then people are like, we wanna know more than construction yeah. from you, yeah. um, which is, means you have a lot to share. And it's an amazing podcast. I highly recommend everybody to go check it out. The links are gonna be below to his Instagram, his LinkedIn, um, to his podcast as well. And you can also find it on the bottom header of your website, I believe, yeah. if there's a it's link Yeah, it's all there, there. everything's on the So all um, definitely check it out. You can check out our stuff as well. Our links are gonna be posted below. And more than anything, we appreciate you guys joining and listening to our podcast. Again, we're all here. It's a big family. So if you guys have any questions, any comments, drop them below um, and we can answer those questions on our Q&As as well. And thanks for joining the homework assignment.